Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of these minutes that we have to share together. Thank you that this is an opportunity to hear from you, to give you space to speak into our lives and to bless us. We do ask, Lord, that we would be open to what you want to share with us, that you would encourage us and meet us and be to us all that we need at this moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's really good to be together. And uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I know lots of people are away today, but, but we are here and we have the opportunity uh, to share uh, in these moments together. Over the last few uh, weeks, we've been trying to look at this question, what are you like? What are you like as a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And what are the pictures or the images, the illustrations we are given in Scripture, in the Bible, to help us understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus? And we've, we've looked at them from the first letter of St. Peter. Uh, we've talked about being like newborn babies, not infantile, but crying out, wanting more of the Lord. We've thought about being living stones, connected to Christ and connected to one another. We've thought a little bit about being holy priests, set apart to offer worship to God. We thought a bit about being chosen people, that God has chosen us. He wants us. We are precious to him. And we thought also about being aliens and strangers. What does it mean to genuinely believe that this is not our home, that we belong somewhere else? And last week we used the picture of a soldier. What does it mean to be a soldier enduring hardship in order to be focused on pleasing our commanding officer. So each of these pictures are like a, a petal, if you like, a petal on a flower, which builds up a picture of what it means. What are you like as a follower of Jesus? You are like all these things. And we've just got a couple more petals to put in place before we've got our full and beautiful flower. And today, we're thinking that we are like an athlete. We are like an athlete. Now, I'm quite conscious that for some people, a bit like the word soldier, this image can be a complete turn-off. Okay? You might be sitting there thinking, Tom, I'm about as much like an athlete as, I don't know, a spiny anteater or something. I don't know, whatever's a long way away from an athlete. I don't know, you know. Um, and, and there are many reasons why people uh, may not enjoy this image. Perhaps you've got bad memories from school uh, of being humiliated by PE teachers or being in that situation, you know, where you're, everyone lines up to pick teams and you were always one of the ones at the end and uh, it came to the person's turn to pick you and you said, oh, they, you can have them, you know. Uh, those sort of humiliations that happen around sport and uh, there can be many reasons why this uh, is a, is a, is a, can be an unhappy image. But I want to stress 
that this image is not, of course, for those who are super physically fit. This is an image provided for us in scripture to enable us to understand a little bit more what it means to be a follower of Christ. And Paul uses it quite a lot. There are several places in his letters where he talks about a Christian as an athlete and the Christian life as a race and heading towards a prize. It's something that he enjoys using. And we probably shouldn't be surprised, should we, if you've ever had the opportunity to to sort of visit uh, Roman ruins anywhere in, 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 in mainland Europe, you'll be shown, won't you, the places where the gladiators trained or you'll be shown the place where they ran their races. It was a really big part of the ancient Roman world. It was a bit like playing football or cricket. This was how they expressed themselves in sporting terms. So just like Jesus takes images in the Gospels and applies them to what it means to be his follower, so Paul looks around and says, well, look, you know what athletes are like. That's what you're like. That's what you're like. And I want us to try just to spend a few minutes to think about this together now. But just before we do, I want to sort of park a couple of misunderstandings, okay? Firstly, I don't want anyone thinking that only one of us is going to get the prize, okay? Don't want any of us thinking that. We know from loads of other places in Scripture that the Christian faith is a shared endeavor, and we come together and we are fellow pilgrims and travelers along the way. We're not in competition with one another, okay? We're not in competition with one another. So I just want to clear up that any uh, misunderstanding there and secondly I don't want anyone to think uh, that Paul thought that the body was in any way evil or any way a source of, um, uh, of difficulties he does say this this slightly strange phrase um, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave okay I don't want anyone going away thinking that that this is what we're recommending here okay Paul is not talking about that kind of discipline. I hope, as we go through, you'll understand what it is. So if those are the things that it isn't, what is it? What is this image trying to tell us? Okay. First, and very simply, this image, I think, is trying to tell us that the Christian life is an ongoing process, not a one-off event. The Christian life is an ongoing process, not a one-off event. Jesus doesn't say, come, cross this line, and then do nothing. Jesus says, come, follow me. The earliest Christians were known not as Christians, but as followers of the way. The Christian life has always been described in terms of going on with Jesus, of traveling with him, being pilgrims on a journey, exiles or strangers on the journey home, going to the promised land, here running a race. It is a process, not an event. And it sounds, when you say it, so basic, but actually it's quite a difficult truth to get into our heads 
Yes, there are particular moments along the journey, particular moments that are very important, thrilling, exciting, mountaintop moments. I'm absolutely delighted that in a couple of weeks' time, we're going, hopefully we're going to have a baptism in the, in the, in the vicarage garden, and that's a, a really thrilling moment in the journey, the journey with Christ. But it is just one point in the journey. And the journey goes on. And the journey is a lifelong journey of being transformed into the image of God that we see in Jesus. And, and sometimes in every journey, there are points where you've just got to keep going, haven't you? You've just got to keep going. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think we do fall foul of this idea that it's got to be uber exciting all the time. It is uber exciting sometimes. And then at other times, it's not. But that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't with us. He'll lead us through those times and he'll bless us again and lead us back up the mountain and give us an experience that will keep us going. But this ability to run the race is a very underrated one. Don't think of it as a sprint but think about it like, you know, the London Marathon. You know, the first time I saw the London Marathon, I almost couldn't stop myself from crying because it was full of ordinary people just running the race, keeping going. The Christian life is an ongoing process, not a one-off event. It's good to remember, he is with us. He will lead us. We're on our way home. Let's keep going. And secondly, I think Paul is very keen to tell us that, the, that we are like athletes because in this race, it's possible to stop and to fall out. To fall out of the race. To not finish it. This was a particular problem for the Christians to whom Paul is writing here in Corinth, in this uh, place in, in modern-day Greece. Some of the Christians there seem to have said, great, we've become Christians. We've had our sins forgiven. Jesus has conquered death and sin. We've had the gift of the Holy Spirit. Brilliant. Now we can do what we like. And, and as you read this letter, some of the, uh, some of the experiences that they uh, they were going through shows that they, uh, their lives were far from what God wanted them to be. And Paul is very clear to say, look, you have started. That's brilliant. Keep going. Keep going. And he actually uses examples from the history of the people of Israel to say, look, these were all Israelites. These were chosen people. They'd been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They were going through the promised land. They're going to the promised land. But still, they didn't trust. They didn't keep going. They didn't persevere in this race. And they didn't get there. There is a warning here for us. A gentle but real one. It is possible to fall out of the race and to not finish it. And Paul is very, very keen that these Christians understand 
that they need to persevere. This is what he says in the letter to the Philippians. Paul says of himself, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or that I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Starting is great. Finishing will be great. The bit in the middle is sometimes quite difficult. And this is the bit that we're in, isn't it? This is the bit that we're in. So how do we keep going? How do we keep going when actually it's maybe a little bit difficult? And post-pandemic life is difficult, isn't it? Everyone's tired and fractious. Post-pandemic Britain is not a happy place. How do we keep going? Paul tells us, hopefully. Oh, just gone blank. Paul tells us these words. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to gain a crown that will not last, but we do it to gain a crown that will last forever. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Strict training. That sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? That sounds a bit, oh, I'm not sure about this. What do you think he's talking about? Training, dis discipline, practice. It sounds a bit like hard work, doesn't it? But anyone who's ever had a go at doing something knows that the more you practice, the more you train, the more you engage with that discipline, actually the more enjoyable and the easier and the more liberating it becomes. It's one of these contradictions that when you start doing something difficult, it's difficult. The longer you keep going at something difficult, the easier it gets. Apparently, a gentleman called Jasha Heivitz, a violinist from the US, said these words. He said, if I don't practice one day, I know it. If I don't practice two days, the critics know it. If I don't practice three days, the whole world knows it. So what is the training the discipline, the practice that we have. And you're looking a bit sleepy this morning, so I'm going to ask you to, uh, to answer a question. Is that all right? A bit, a, bit of, a bit of participation here, okay? What sort of things have we got? What is our discipline, our practice, our training? What are the things that God has given us to train us in our race? Go on. You, you tell me, what sort of things has he given us? Praying. Praying. The Lord's Prayer? Yeah. Anything else? 
Bibles, excellent. Yes, anything else? Love. Love, it's a good one. Yeah, anything else? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit? yeah. 